If you have your Bibles, please turn to, guess what? Hebrews chapter 11. We'll start with verse 30. And as you're turning there, I have two questions for you. Who are you seeking approval from? Some people seek approval from their parents until they get it to a certain stage, and then the last thing they want is approval from their parents. And then somehow it seems that many people still seek the approval of their parents. Others seek approval for those who might advance them in their career. Different people seek approval for different from different people. Next question is, once you know who you're seeking approval from, how are you going to get that approval? Work late, be a good little boy or girl. What is it that, that is necessary for you to gain approval? Well, the last numerous times we've been looking at Hebrews chapter 11 and that roll call of faith, we've seen people who have gained approval. As the scripture started out, without faith it is impossible to please God. That you must believe that God is and he is rewarder of those who seek him or diligently seek him. And we've gone through a number of different people who have shown that they gained that approval through faith. And now there's going to be a number of people that the writer of Hebrews is going to quickly mention, not giving a lot of detail. Number one, assuming that the reader has some sense of what he's talking about. And if not, you can go back to the scriptures. So it says in verse 30, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. This is an excellent discussion on faith. I encourage you to go back to Joshua and read. God tells them that they're going to take this first city. This first city, Jericho, has very high and large walls. And he's going to not tell them to design siege engines. He's not going to talk to them about battering rams. He's going to tell them to do something that seems totally irre irrelevant to walls falling down. He tells them that I want you to walk around the city once, a time, once daily for six days. And I can just see it now because people being people as they're walking around the um, the city, I'm sure some are saying, well, at least we're getting some, some exercise. And I was saying, yeah, but we wandered in the desert for six, 40 years. I'm kind of tired of walking. Why can't, the, why can't we just defeat them? And others are saying, you know, this is, I don't understand how a wall is going to fall down just walking around in circles. And there are others who are saying, oh, well, this is what God said. We should do it. And again, God didn't say to walk around it for one day. Told him seven days, six days, walk around one time. And then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times. And when you've walked around the seventh time, I want the priests to blow trumpets. I want the people to break pitchers. And I want you to yell and scream. I might add, that sound will not bring down walls. God is going to bring down the wall. Sometimes he has us do things that are 
relevant to his doing his thing so that guess what? We don't get credit. He does. So he says, I want you to do this. Yeah, but God, I don't understand how that will cause you to do what you're doing. Trust me, I got you. I'm God. Nothing is too difficult for me. And so by faith, they happen to walk around for seven days and seven times on the seventh day. And guess what? The walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Now again, this is a great story. Because we are told that, that Rahab had heard what God had done in Egypt. And that the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry land. And she recounts that when they heard that, everybody's courage in the city and around the countryside melted. They were afraid because the God of Israel was the Lord God, the God of heaven and earth. And that was 40 years ago. And then recently, the children of Israel defeated two kings just outside their territory. And again, their hearts melted away because they re she responded in faith to what God was doing because she recognized God as being God. She responded in faith and she said to the spies, if you will keep my family safe, I'll make sure you're protected. And they feel the bargain. And an old side note that we're not told here, Rahab becomes a descendant, an ancestor, I mean, of Jesus. So we see a nation circling in faith. And we see in that very city a woman who had heard what God had done and believed that God would do. And then he goes on in verse 32. And what more shall I say, for the time will fail me if I tell of Gideon. I want to stop there. Gideon. He is met while he is threshing wheat. Now, we're city folk, so we don't, we don't understand this. But basically what happens is in the old days, what you would do is you would take the wheat and the calf and all that, and you would take pitchforks or whatever, and you throw it up in the air, and the wind would drive away the chaff, and the wheat would fall. But the Midians kept stealing their stuff. So Gideon was so brave, he hid out in a wine vat to do this, which is interesting, because where does the wind come from? And the angel meets him and says, Hail, old valiant warrior! You see, there are times that God sees who you are before you see who you are. Not because Gideon himself was a brave warrior, but because God told him to do what God was going to tell him to do. And then God pared down his army because there were too many. And again, God did not want to share his glory with Gideon. Or Barak, another a judge who was told by Deborah to take 10,000 men and fight the enemy. And his response, I'll do it, but I want you to go with me. Deborah goes, okay, I'll go with you. But guess what? You're not going to get the credit a woman is. So what's changed in the South? Anyway, we'll go on. But so 
He responds in faith and defeats the enemy, although Deborah gets the credit. And Samson. I love Samson being here because I want you to understand something. This is roll call of faith, not of perfect people. There are blemished people, unrighteous people, imperfect people on this list. Pretty much all of them. Enoch walked with God and wasn't. We're never told. Even Noah, who walked with God and, and followed him for 100 years, building an ark, kind of messed up after it. God doesn't call us to be perfect. We are called to be saints, not because we are perfect, but because we respond in faith. Now, Jephthah, another one who fights a battle, wins a war, but makes a terrible promise. I encourage you to read about that. And David and Samuel and the prophets. Again, he mentions his people, kings and prophets and ordinary people and judges and perfect people who God used. Now, I want you to kind of see something here. Because everybody talks about the law, the law, the law, and that we need to follow the law. The writer here is telling us from Genesis and Exodus, and Joshua, and Judges, and in Samuel, and in Kings, and in the prophet, it's not about the law. It's about following God and believing him. So not only does he now talk about what people have done and causing us to remember these various great men and women, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. He lists a number of things that happened that are accomplished by these men and women, not because of their perfection, but because they believed God. And they did things. But notice that they did things. So, for instance, David defeated a giant. But it's difficult to defeat a giant if you don't face it. It is difficult to lead an army, whether it be large or small, in battle if you're not at the battlefront. You can't shut the mouth of a lion in a lion's den unless you're there. We all too are waiting for God to do something, but we're not in the fight to do it. We simply wait because we're thinking we're going to be something great. That God has a purpose for me. And he's going to make me this awesome, great, wonderful person. And if I just believe for it. And that is not what the scriptures say. The scriptures do not say if you simply believe for it. It says that if you believe God. 
not what you put your belief in, but who you put your belief in. And these people fought battle, were in the lion's den, faced giants because they believed God. And even if God didn't come through, they would rather serve him than live. But we always think the story's going to have a wonderful ending. Samson, even after the end of his life and messes up so much, has the faith and strength to bring down the temple so that many are more killed than during his lifetime. Or how the lion's was, mouth was shut. Or how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all there in the fire with a fourth person. And we think about how wonderful it is. But again, they were in the fire. Notice what it goes on to say. And others were tortured. Not accepting their release so they might obtain a better resurrection. They weren't willing to compromise with the world. They believed God and accepted his resurrection and release. And others experienced mockings and scourgings Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Well, wait a minute. I thought God wanted me to have a wonderful life. He wants you to have a wonderful, eternal life. But you may be more blessed if these things happen. God is not angry with you if you face the giant. He wants to be able to gain a victory and let you be used so that everybody will go, there's no way Joe could have beat that giant. You're right, God did. There's no way that Joe could have shut the lion's mouth. You're right, God did. Or I refuse not to be tortured so that Christ might be on. I'm going to skip the perim. Because they're going to go wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. You see, their lives were not necessarily easy. They were difficult. It was hard. But they understood who it was they trusted. They didn't trust the circumstances. They trusted God. Now there, one thing I like to hear and one thing I would like to be. I would love to hear that someday in the future, well done, you good and faithful son. I have my good days, I have my bad. There's also something I would like to be. And I would encourage you to want to be this as well. And I'm going to go back to that parent at verse 38. Men of whom the world was not worthy. All too often we want to do something. We want to have some great success or have great fame or wealth or whatever it is. 
the scripture says, these people who are tortured and mocked and scourged and stoned, thought in two, the world was not worth. Have that as a goal. My goal is to not be worthy. Verse 39. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. You see, they were looking for approval from God. They didn't care about the others. I'm sure they cared some. But their preference is, I want God's approval, not man. So they knew who to seek approval. And they knew how. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So they didn't seek to please God by being the perfect boy and little girl. They said, I'm going to trust him and believe in him. He says we walk around city walls for seven days, and we walk around city walls for seven days. He says we're going to walk through a, a sea, and we're going to walk in dry land, and we're going to walk through a sea, on dry land. He's going to say that mountain's going to move, then that mountain's going to move. Or if he says, I want you to climb up the mountain, down the mountain, in the valley, and around, then we do that. We do what God says to do and believe Him, not the circumstances, not the movement. Now, the scriptures also say through Jesus, just have the faith of a mustard. If the roll call of perfection was you did the law completely well all the days of your life, I've already lost. I haven't been that great. Some days I'm taking about a half hour and then not so well. God doesn't ask you to be perfect. He uses this roll call of faith to show you He's not asking you to be. He's asking you just to believe. The God of heaven and earth. The God who spoke in this world is in existence. The God who knew every sinew of your body, every hair on your head, every time you stand up and sit down and lay down. That God asked you. Here's something fantastic. They didn't receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us. That apart from us, they would not be made perfect. They would not be made complete. You see, you and I have a role to fill in this roll call of faith. These men and women who were sought into, tortured, stoned, in holes in the ground, all these things, they're waiting for us to make them perfect, to be complete. Because God has called all of us to respond. Not to respond in circumstances, but to believe Him. And as one has gone before in faith, and as the next one has gone before in faith, 
and as an excellent, and we all go and respond in faith, we become a united, perfected. You see, they weren't a group of people who were just seeking difficult times, but a testimony that said, I trust God and you can too. And I will die for my faith, showing that you can trust him too. Because I believe when he said that there is a resurrection of the dead, as he said it, I believe it. He said it on more than one occasion. He told us that he's prepared a house for us. He said that if I prepare that house, I'm coming to get you. And he didn't say only if you're alive. He continued on to say, those who are dead will meet him in the air. You can trust because God cannot lie. And God wants you to respond in faith. And all of these men and women have let us know by their life and their conduct, you can trust them. Certainly there are times when it doesn't seem like God's in control. It seems like the world is running amok. It seems like the bad guys are winning and the, and the good guys aren't even in the game. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't even matter in this world that we live in now about how you feel. And in our world today, that's all that matters is how you feel. The reality is it doesn't matter how you feel. God will accomplish what God has said he will do when God said he will do it. Not a moment sooner, not a moment later. God does what God does. So at the end of this chapter 11, I'm going to say it again. You've heard nothing else of what I have to say. It's not about believing for Believing him. Not about what you believe, who people with good intentions may end up lying. My father would never say yes unless he was absolutely certain that he could accomplish it. He would say, We'll see because they never wanted to be a liar. God doesn't have to say we'll see. God will say yes, or God will say no. But God speaks clearly, definitively, and eternally. And we can believe that. And all God's people said,